Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. Let's come before the Lord and pray before we get started. We're certainly thankful we can be here. Lord, we're thankful for the building that you've provided. Thankful that kids have a Sunday school teacher. We ask your blessing over both Sunday school lessons this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right, we're going to move into, um, we're going to talk this morning about how to, why it is important to rightly divide the word of truth. Because that is going to be your framework upon how you view the Bible and how you take verses and then put them in a context. And that is how we have different divisions or different denominations and different beliefs. It's because of how people divide the Bible. And everybody knows that verse. You're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth, but everybody comes to it with different math. So we're going to try to glean some insight into that and understand why that is important. And hopefully it will be a blessing. So what does the New Testament start with? It starts with the four Gospels. And that covers 33 and a half years. And it begins with the forerunner of Jesus Christ, John the Baptist. And then it moves into uh, the miraculous conception of Christ. Jesus' ministry here on earth. His death by crucifixion. His burial. His resurrection. And it concludes with Christ's ascension into heaven. That's the four Gospels. Now get 1 Corinthians 15 and Mark chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 15 and Mark chapter 1. So why is that you know why is that important to understand the New Testament begins with the four gospels? Well, we talk we got to rightly divide the word of truth, but we have to understand how that word of truth is divided. And here's a simple example. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we'll read starting at verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I have preached unto you, which also ye have received and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now watch here how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So what does Paul say that the gospel is? In 1 Corinthians 15, he says it's the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel, right? Okay, now flip over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1 says, The beginning... Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The son of God. So which is it? Is the gospel the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Or is the gospel. It's the beginning of, G, of Jesus Christ in these four accounts. Well, the answer is both. And we have to understand that there is a difference. There's a difference. So every time we hear the word gospel, we have to understand what is the context of that gospel. And so we have 
both. So let's, we got that in our head, we understand that. In the beginning of Mark, everything written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is considered part of the Gospels. But it's not the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 because Jesus Christ hasn't died, wasn't buried, hasn't rose again, hasn't ascended. None of that happened when Jesus was walking around on the earth with them. So nonetheless, we have the four Gospels, and then we have the Gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. Let's back up. Let's get Isaiah 61. And then Luke chapter 4. Isaiah 61. Let's try to define by using the Bible, the word gospel. Isaiah 61, verse 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are abound. He hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. That's Isaiah 61.1. Now let's flip over to Luke chapter 4. Verse number 18, Luke chapter 4, verse number 18, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. This is our cross reference. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Luke chapter 4, verse number 18, look at it. He hath anointed me to preach the gospel. Our cross-reference over in Isaiah 61, verse 1. He hath sent, he hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. What is the gospel? Simply defined, it's just good tidings. That's what the, that's what the gospel is defined as, good tidings. Is everything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John... And everything that is encompassing of Jesus Christ's life, good tidings, it is. It certainly is. Mostly because of our broken world. So, right from the start of the New Testament, Israel is a mess. And this is exactly where Jesus Christ starts his ministry. Get Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Jesus says this when he spoke to the multitudes and his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. 
All therefore whatsoever they bind you observe, that observe and do, but do not ye after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. Right from the start, these are the religious leaders. They're right there Jesus, with, with Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah. And Jesus says, don't follow those fellows. They're just wicked. They don't know what they're doing. He's right there in the midst. They don't get it. And Jesus says, don't follow them. All right, let's get Matthew chapter 15. Matthew 15. Problems aren't found in what people say. Just like the, the scribes and the Pharisees. They said a lot of things. And some of those things were true in a certain context. But where is the problem found? Matthew 15, chapter 8. We can find it. Matthew 15, verse number 8. This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. The problems, problems are always found in the heart, in the heart of men and women. So it doesn't matter what you say, how you live your life, the actions that you take, that defines who you are. But it ultimately is a heart issue. People don't just come up with nasty things to say to one another just on a whim. It's something that they've thought about, their heart's been far from God, and it comes out. And what does Jesus do? He shows up and he calls these religious leaders out on it and they can't stand him. Let's get John chapter 8. Why do religious leaders, why did they hate Jesus? It's the same reason people hate him today. Because he shows up and he exposes their false religion and their hypocrisy and he just calls it out. And these people can't stand that. Religious leaders can't stand that. John chapter 8. Verse number 19, then said they unto him, unto him, where is thy father? Jesus answered, ye neither know me nor my father. If ye had known me, ye should have known my father also. Jesus tells them, you guys think you know the father but I'm standing here right with you and by evidence that you don't even know who I am, you don't know who my father is. And they just get livid. All right. 
We have the whole, and then we have the part. The nation of Israel as a whole rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. The individuals within that nation didn't all reject the Lord Jesus Christ. Individuals within the nation believe the whole and the part. Most of the people that believe were just common, everyday people. Twelve were chosen. And they weren't voted in. They were chosen by the Lord as apostles. And then those twelve flipped the world upside down. Just twelve people. Very small. What did they begin as? Or we'll understand, okay, so... First, understand you have the nation of Israel, the whole. The part is just the individuals. Nation, whole, individuals. Mostly common, everyday people believe. They began as disciples and then were made into apostles. What is a disciple? A disciple is a student that is learning a discipline, whatever that discipline may be. A disciple. And then they grow, specifically the 12, they grew into apostles, meaning now they were able to be sent out and then teach. And get, they were sent out to give that message and to teach others. Matthew and John, going back to the four Gospels now, can I get you up to speed? We talked about. We want to try to rightly divide the word truth. So you have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, we have the Gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're trying to divide that out so we get an understanding of there's a difference. When Jesus is walking around on the earth, there's no death, burial, and resurrection yet. Okay. Now we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. Matthew and John wrote as apostles. They were of the twelve. Mark and Luke, they were not of the twelve. But why four Gospels? Why four Gospels? Let's get, we're going to get three passages of Scripture. Let's get Deuteronomy chapter 19. Acts 26. And 2 Peter chapter 1. Deuteronomy 19. Acts 26. And 2 Peter chapter 1. God follows his own rules and God follows his own principles. Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse number 15. And the Bible says, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin. And any sin that he sinneth, 
Watch this. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. God sets a principle in his Bible. He follows that principle. And that's exactly what we have when we have to start the New Testament. We don't have just two witnesses. We don't have three witnesses. We've got four gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts chapter 26. Verse number 26. You have to create credible witnesses. Everything is done so everybody can see it. Acts 26, 26. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. And then the saddest two passages of verses of scripture follow. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuaded me to be a Christian. He was right. There's, there's no such thing as I was almost born again. And he was, he was almost there. These things aren't hidden in the corner. Mouth of two or three witnesses. This thing wasn't hidden from anybody. All right, 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse number 16. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, but when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Why four gospels? God sent the principle back in the Old Testament, not, not out of the mouth of one, two or three. He gives us four. This thing wasn't hidden in a corner. And there were eyewitnesses. That's why there are four Gospels, if we follow just the basic Bible principle of that. Pretty easy to understand. All right, if you take a note, you can jot these verses down. We'll run through them quick. Um, some say four witnesses could possibly be that Numbers association with earthly things. Isaiah eleven twelve talks about the four corners of the earth. Acts chapter 10, verse 12 talks about four footed beasts of the earth. Revelation 7, 1 talks about four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. And then lastly, Revelation chapter 20 Verse 8 talks about four quarters of the earth. Also, some say four perspectives. Um, it, it shows Christ from the four perspectives that match the four heavenly beasts, which are found in Ezekiel chapter 1. Man, lion, ox, and eagle. You got Matthew, you got Mark, you got Luke, you got John. Did they all watch the same Jesus Christ? Did they all hang out with the same Jesus Christ? They did. 
Did they all hear the same message from Jesus Christ? Yes, they did. Did they all live during the same lifetime as Jesus Christ? They did. But they recorded different aspects of the Lord. So what do you get from that? You get four distinct perspectives. And none of these perspectives contradict. And each one serves a special purpose. If you take a note, you're going to want to write this down. Matthew shows Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. Mark shows Jesus Christ as the servant. Luke as the son of man. And then John as the son of God. Everybody good? We're getting all this? It's, it's basic stuff. But we're laying some groundwork because we're going to go into into some really good stuff over the next couple of weeks. Okay, distinctions. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, you could put them in a category separate from John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are called, and you might have heard this before, the synoptic gospels. They both have almost the same synopsis. They're all reported as eyewitnesses, and it gives very similar content, similar summary, obviously each with a different detail. Then we get to John. There's some familiarity there, but this is specifically Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Let's get John chapter 20, verse 31. And this is why you'll see um, John and Romans as gospel tracts. Why do people give out John and Romans? John chapter 20, verse number 31. But these are written. That ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing ye might have life through his name. Believing on Jesus Christ. That's why you'll see a lot of John and Romans books that go out. It's how people can be saved. They can know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Right, let's check out who is the audience. Let's get John chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 10. John chapter 1 and Matthew chapter number 10. John chapter 1 verse number 11. He came unto his own. And his own received him not. Matthew chapter 10 verse number 6. The Bible says. But go rather to the lost sheep. Of the house of Israel. Who's the audience? The nation of Israel. The Jews. He came not unto his own. The house of Israel. It is important to know there were exceptions. 
in the four gospel accounts where the Gentiles are being ministered to. But for the most part, the present audience, those that were there during the time of Christ, were the Jews. A lot of basic groundwork. The four Gospels was the start of the New Testament, right? Everybody got that? But the four Gospels isn't the New Testament church. Let's see if we can cover some of this. All that took place in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke and in John, even though it is called the four Gospels, all that took place in there took place prior to the start of what we are part of and what we know today as the New Testament church. Why is that important? Because when you disregard that fact, that is how you fall into error. Which is why, and we're going to get into this in the weeks to come, people take the Matthew rapture and try to apply it to the New Testament church for Christians, which isn't true. And so we're going to start to understand all of this, that the Christians aren't going to go through the tribulation and then be raptured. But if you take verses out of context and you divide the Bible differently, that is how people come up with, by the way, did you know that we're going to go through or not? But if you divide the Bible differently, you come up with those conclusions. And so we're laying some groundwork because we're really going to be touching on these things in the next, in the upcoming weeks. Okay, so here's the first error that occurs. People say that the New Testament church is just a continuation of the Old Testament church. And it isn't. Let's get Acts chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 9. Acts chapter 7. Verse number 38. How do you come up with that? How can the Old Testament church, how can people say that the Old Testament church is a continuation of the, of the New Testament church? Acts chapter 7, verse number 38. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give on to us. You know what a church is? It's an assembly of people. The church is a congregation of people. Did Moses have an assembly? Did they congregate as Old Testament people? They did. They did. But we can't take that and now make it a the Old Testament just church a continuation of the New Testament. It's not true. It's not a continuation. Hebrews chapter 9. It is a brand new distinct entity. Hebrews 9, 
16 and 17. The Bible says, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Why can't the four gospels be the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ hasn't died yet. There has not been a death of a testator. So therefore, there is no New Testament church until Hebrews 9, 16 and 17 is fulfilled. You have the death of the testator. Now you have the start of the New Testament church. You can't have that until you have the death of the testator. This is why you can't take prophecies that are aimed at Israel and apply those prophecies aimed at Israel to the New Testament church. Can't do it. We're doing pretty good. Principles were established in the four Gospels. But the New Testament church was not. The principles of the New Testament church we see in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are all established and they are clear. But the New Testament church itself is not established during Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so let's get some scripture references for these. We'll take our time. Um, let's get Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Verse number 18. Here's what Jesus says. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. A simple reading and understanding of these words tell us, I will build denotes future, future building. If he said, I built my church, I already built it, that would mean it's existing. I will build my church. The principles established, clear, no doubt about that. Not arguing that, that is definitely a clear principle. However, it's not established right then, not right when they're walking around with Jesus when he said that. Let's flip over to Matthew 18. Here's another principle that is established for the New Testament church in the four Gospels when the New Testament church was not yet in effect. Matthew 18, verse number 20. For where two or three 
are gathered together, there am I in the midst of them. Did I read that right? I didn't read it right. Gathered together in my name. It's important that when we gather as Christians, we're gathering in the right name, in the name of Jesus Christ. Two or three gather at the local bar. Two or three gather at the woman's club or the boys club. But where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Now, there's Jesus really alive right there in the flesh, in the midst of them, right there. And he sets a principle for the New Testament church that is 100% true. But the, when he states that, there is no existence of a New Testament church. But he is laying down the principles where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. All right, John chapter 10. Yeah, three more and then we'll finish. I know this is a lot of scripture. Sometimes we get too much at one shot. We're overwhelmed. John chapter 10, verse number 11. Who's the head of the church? Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is a hireling and careth not. For the sheep. Who's the head of the church? Who's going to be the head of the church? Who is the head of the church? Jesus Christ. But there is no New Testament church when he says that. But he lays down the principle. Look, I'm the good shepherd. You don't want to hire me. You don't want that. So he's laying out the principles. All right, Matthew. Let's get back to Matthew. We'll do chapter 18. Two more. He lays out rules. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If any shall not hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. And if, and if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. Now, we talked about a church as an assembly or just a congregation of people. But when Jesus is stating this, he's lying, he's laying a principle of rules for his New Testament church that has not yet been established. Why hasn't it been established yet? Because there's no death of the testator, Hebrews 9. But he is certainly laying down the principles. Um, we should really 
Christians really should allow the church to help them more than they do. And we would get rid of a lot of suing each other. There's certainly a time and place to do it. But with brothers and sisters in the church or amongst Christians, nobody goes to the pastor anymore. <laughs> nobody goes to, there's a problem with this church and the church 30 miles up the road. How come they can't go to the pastor? And how come those folks can't? I mean, if it needs to get that far, why not go to the church? Why go to the courts? So we should ought to do, we, we really ought to try to follow that principle before we go to the guy, go to two or three, and then go to court. No, go to the guy, go to two or three, and then go to the church. See if somebody, but everybody's too happy. Christians, that is. Christians. Matthew 26, last one. Matthew 26, verse 26. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sin. Well, that's weird. He hasn't shed his blood yet. <laughs> that's a tough verse. We're not preaching on that today, but um, you can see how Roman Catholicism get into some of the stuff they get into. It's right there in Matthew 26. Verse 29, but I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. He is setting the principle to remember his death with the Lord's Supper that the New Testament church recognizes and they do it oft. But when he says this, the principle is set but the New Testament church is not established yet. All right, good. So just a quick review. New Testament starts off with the four Gospels. Everything in those four books is considered, wow, these are the Gospels. Yet, it's not the death, burial, and resurrection gospel that we see in 1 Corinthians. Gospel is simply defined as good tidings. Everything about Jesus Christ is good tidings. The gospels are mainly written to a Jewish audience. Jesus is right there in the midst. He calls out the leaders. Why do the leaders hate him? Because Jesus keeps calling them out on their hard issues. And they just can't stand it. The whole, the part, the whole nation rejected Christ, individuals within that nation believed Christ, mostly were common everyday people. You start off with 12 disciples that, disciple just means student, you're learning a discipline, and they, were, and they became apostles. And they were ready to be sent to give the message. Why is there four gospels? God follows his own principles. He laid it out in Deuteronomy 19. Mouth of two or three witnesses. God gave us four witnesses in the gospel. You create a credible witness. We saw that 
um, that it wasn't hidden in a corner. And in 2 Peter, we saw eyewitnesses. Matthew shows Jesus as king of the Jews. Mark is the servant. Luke is the son of man. John as the son of God. Same message, same Lord, same everything, but they all recorded it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit with different perspectives, and they each served its own purpose. Matthew, Mark, Luke, synoptic gospels, same synopsis, a little bit different details, very similar content. John is set apart. You can believe on Jesus Christ. You can know that he is the son of God. We talked about Jewish audience. He came not unto his own, the house of Israel. And that the Old Testament is not a continuation of the new. Principles were set for the New Testament church in the four gospels. However, the New Testament church had yet to be established. All right, hope that was uh, not too heavy, but a blessing and edifying to you. All right, let's bow and ask the Lord's blessing of our service to come. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, help us to have a good service coming up. We do thank you that we can meet and gather here freely. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.